Dave and Ryan's movie review and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in 3, 2, 1. It's Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. Sponsored by Nobody. Welcome in to another edition of Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. We got a busy, busy show this week. Busy bees. A lot to get through. And uh, the first thing we got to do before we do anything is we got to take a trip to Hollywood. Let's go. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, a place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, so just a quick note. Um, Oscar nominations are going to come out on January 23rd, and then the awards will be handed out on March 10th. And I think we'll, we'll do a show oh, yeah. probably the week before they come out just to kind of tell everybody what we've seen so far and who we think is going to get nominated. We'll make brackets. Yeah. It'll be like Mark's Madness, but, you know, it'll not. It'll be kind of <laughs> like March Madness. Well, but the awards are handed out in March. Ooh, there we go. Maybe it will be. We'll All ha- right. We'll have to dress up. You'll have to wear a lovely nightgown, and I'll get a tuxedo. A tuxedo. There we go. All right. Um, anybody that was hoping for a Robert Downey Jr. return in any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, well, Kevin Feige... Just cut your heart out and threw it on the ground and set it on fire. He says, we are going to keep that moment and not touch that moment again. He told Vanity Fair about the about Robert Downey Jr. reprising his role as Tony Stark. We all worked very hard for many years to get to that, and we would never want to magically undo it in any way. And see, that's what we've always thought. I'm going to call bull cocky. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Here's the thing. I, he said... He said, as Iron Man, okay, mm-hmm. there is a way I think that they could bring him back, and I think that they've already thought about it, and maybe they have it on the back burner, is if you have a new Iron Man take over, and Robert Downey Jr. is the voice of, like, Jarvis or yeah, the yeah. AI. We, we, we've, we've talked about that. So I, 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 I think he's going to be in Deadpool 3, I, just like a little small cameo. We'll see. Because, we'll see. because Deadpool 3... It doesn't say when it takes place. No, and it's all over the place as yeah. well. So keep an ear out, keep an eye out. Never say never, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, another thing that came out that last week, at Pixar's pandemic movies are going to be released in theaters. Um, Soul, Luca, and Turning Red, which went right past the big screen and straight to Disney Plus because of the pandemic, will be playing in theaters for the first time. Uh, Soul, which was Peter Doctor's Oscar-winning 2020 animated film about a middle school band teacher who is transported into the great before, will be in cinemas on January 12th. Turning Red, Dome She's 2022 Oscar-nominated movie about a teen who turns into a red panda, debuts February 9th, followed by Enrico Casarosa's Oscar-nominated sea monster story, Luca, on March 22nd. Have you seen any of these? I'm sad to say I've only seen one of these. Which one? 
Luca. Luca is a great movie. It is a great movie. I want to see Turning Red, and I want to see Soul. I just haven't had the time. Right, and see, and I, I've heard that Soul is really, really good. So have I. So, but I, Luca, I would get, I would put that. Yeah, anybody should watch that movie. That is a great, great yeah. movie. I love it. I love that movie. And then wrapping up the news bits, Nicolas Cage says he's almost finished. He's probably only got about three or four movies left in him. Until he's in debt again. Well, yeah. One of Hollywood's most prolific actors is eyeing retirement. Nicolas Cage, who's getting ready to turn 60, says he's almost finished acting in movies. He says, I may have three or four movies left in me. Uh, we was talking about, this was an interview with Vanity Fair about that movie Dream Scenario. Mm-hmm. And I want to see that one. Remember yes. that the trailer for that one looked really, really good. He says, I do feel I've said what I've had to say with cinema. I think I took film performances as far as I could. I do want to get more severe and stringent in my selection process. And I want to say goodbye on a high note. There are also reports out there that he has actually even talked about maybe doing some television work after mm-hmm. he's done with movies. Well, I remember, you know, it used to be back in the day, you were either a television actor or you were a film actor, and you didn't cross that line. But nowadays, you know, that line is just smudged all over the place, and really, oh, I'm no longer doing movies. I'm only doing TV. Yeah, come on. Give me a break. This is like, have you ever seen the movie The Long Shot uh, with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron? Yes, yes, yes. Well, Bob Odenkirk is the president, and he was a he was a television star. And he's not going to run for the presidency the next time his term's up because he's going to make the jump to movies. <laughs> not everybody's done it. Uh, yeah. uh, Clooney. <laughs> yeah. They always they go through this list. And, and then, you know, it was a moment where Seth Rogen really reminded me of you because the lady said, well, Jennifer Aniston. And he goes, did she, though? Yeah. Did she, though? So anyway, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for, for Nicolas Cage. And there's a lot of great things going on in television now, too, that people are, you know, with all the streaming services and those kinds of things. Oh, so yeah. Apple he, TV. Yeah, he might HBO. find something. I mean, you've got Gary Oldman on a series on Apple TV right now that yeah. is fabulous. So, you know, check these things out and, and find them. Uh, box office number five last week was the movie that we went and saw last week, Wish. $7.7 million, bringing its total to 42.2. Looks like Disney has another stinker on its hands, which is sad because uh, yeah, it's a great it's movie. It's a good movie. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So don't listen to anybody that's, you know, go draw your own conclusions. Yeah, just that's listen, what I always just say. Just listen to me and Dave. That's right. Everyone else is mute. That's true. All right. Trolls Band Together stays at number four with $7.8 million, bringing its total to $75 million. Godzilla minus one. Now, this is a movie and... I always get really leery when I see this. This movie had a perfect critics Rotten Tomato score. And the last time I checked the that audience means score, nothing. The last time I checked the audience score, it was at 97%. Is this the one where with King Kong? No, no, this is a this is this is a totally different one. Okay. This is a movie. We talked about the Monarch is the one that's on Apple. Yeah. And that that is like the beginnings of oh, okay. everything. Okay. So, all right. Anyway, he pulled in $11.4 million in its first week. Uh, the Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, drops to number two this week after being last week number one with 14.7, bringing its total to 121.9 and knocking Hunger Games off the top spot. It was Beyonce. 
Renaissance. Of course. A film by Beyonce. The Queen's on top. That's right. $21.8 million, But I did have to put this little note in. So that $21.8 million was week one. Uh, the Taylor Swift Eras Tour did $92.8 million in its opening weekend. Why you got to go there, Dave? Because I just... I. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. I just don't think Beyonce is relevant anymore. <gasps> I know. How dare you? The only person that she's relevant to is her and Jay-Z. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about Beyonce. Okay? I'll, I'll let you get stabbed in the parking lot okay. by someone else. Somebody will. I know. <laughs> all right. So today's show, we went and saw The Oath, and we're going to review that one. Yay! All I can tell you is to uh, strap in and buckle up, because it's yeah, going to be a rough Buckle one. up, buttercups. We're uh, in for a ride. And then with Christmas coming up and all the movies that are starting to come out and everything like that, we, we decided we'd go and take a look at it, and we didn't really rank them. No. But just mo- best movie Santas. And we're only doing live action. We are doing live action. But yeah, best movie Santas. And then since we're going to go see Wonka next week, this week we're going to revisit Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So that's all coming up. But before we get there, we got to do a honest movie review. It's time for another honest movie review. Today... We will try to take you out of the Christmas spirit as we revisit the 1978 made-for-TV flick Star Wars' Holiday Special. A big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga. Luke Skywalker. Han Solo. Chewbacca. C-3PO. R2-D2. Princess Leia. For years, Star Wars fans have thought that Obi-Wan Kenobi was referring to Mos Eisley when he said, You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. In actual fact, he was referring to the writers of the holiday special. If you've ever wondered why old Ben Kenobi gave up during his battle with Vader, it's because he foresaw this holiday special and thought, If I don't die now, I'll have to store in it as well. Can't wait to speak with you again next week. Okay, I have seen this movie. I, I Our want TV to. special, whatever <laughs> it is. It's on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I've heard, I've over the years, I've just heard things. And then you and Jordan always talk about it. And I'm guessing it's nothing good things, except for, you know. I, I, all I'm going to say, this is where me and Jordan always land with this movie, is if you're really into Wookiee porn, this movie could be for you. Wow. I'm telling you. <laughs> I am telling you. There's a lot going on in this movie. Wow. Dave, you can't say porn on the air. <laughs> you just did. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about The Oath, which is really fitting since we're talking about Wookiee porn. So stick around. <laughs> Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment one, action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it. So you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest release is The Oath. 
in 400 AD, in a forgotten time in ancient America, a lone fugitive must preserve the history of his fallen nation while being hunted by a ruthless tyrant. Let's see what Dave and Ryan think of The Oath, which is rated PG-13 and is now playing nationwide. Okay, I, I don't know how to start this. We went and saw this movie on Thursday, and I'll tell you what. I hate you, Dave. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, let's just put it this way. I didn't like it that much, and Ryan liked it even less. No, it was it was so bad. Okay, so runtime is an hour, 44 minutes, PG-13. Darren Scott, uh, Eugene Braverock, your only person you're going to recognize in this thing is probably Billy Zane. Yeah, and you... For most people, you don't know who that is. Yes. Because we were talking. He hasn't been in like anything for like the last 10 years. I told you why. Because he was such a lech in Titanic. But that was in the 90s. I understand that, but he hasn't done anything since. He was in The Phantom. That was before. Was it? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Billy Zane. if, If you don't know who Billy Zane is and you've seen the Titanic, he's the guy that that grabbed the kid to get on the boat. He was the bad guy in the yeah, movie. Yeah, he was Besides the bad guy. The he was he was Rose's fiance, yeah. right? Uh, he's he's done a lot of um D-ranked movies, which yes. I would rank this as a D-ranked movie. Yes. So, yeah. uh, I know. But, I know. Okay, here we go. So bad. Uh it takes place in 400 AD. It's a forgotten time of ancient America. A lone Hebraic fugitive must preserve the history of his fallen nation. While being hunted by a ruthless tyrant, Billy Zane, but rescuing the king's abused mistress could awaken a warrior's past. Yeah, that does not describe this movie at all. <laughs> uh, Darren Scott, who is the everything in this, he, he wrote, he wrote directed, it, acted, produced, probably made lunch. I don't know. He did probably the craft services table. Uh, I don't know. He did everything. He is actually born in Vernal. Yep. Utah, and he went to BYU. Yeah. So this is a Book of Mormon story, but if you read about it, it tells you that it's kind of smudges the line, maybe, between fact and fiction. It's not church-approved. Probably not. Which is probably why he had to do everything himself. You know, know, we've talked about this. This, this, I wouldn't call this a movie. I call this a fake movie, because if you're starring... Directing, writing, producing everything yourself—it's not a movie. It's it's your glorified. It's fan a pet fiction. project. Yeah, it's a pet project. It's, it's it's just so bad, Dave. It's just so bad. And, and you know the the story revolves around the warrior Moroni. But which Moroni? Because in the movie, it was like there was like multiple Moroni. Like his father was, his and father his father was. before that. Which okay. Anyway, let's let's get through this. My brain the, hurts, Dave. I know. Let's talk about the 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 plot, and then we'll get into what That's we thought. That's what we were talking. This has no plot. It so goes we're done. everywhere. <laughs> the plot's like, oh look, squirrel. Oh look. Oh oh look. What? Oh 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 oh. Where did she go? I'm gonna cry and throw rocks. Oh, she's back. Oh, she's hurt. What happened? I'm not gonna tell you. Let's move on. But now you know how Ryan felt about the movie. It was so bad. Uh, Moroni meets up with Bathsheba. Yeah. And he teaches her the ways of the Nephites. He was a Nephite, yeah. right? Uh, she is a Lamanite. And he teaches her the ways of the Nephites. And they kind of come to this agreement and everything works. And they decide that with God as their witness, they're going to get married about a month or two in. That's their maybe. oath. 
maybe a month or That's two in. Oath. We're not sure. Typical. Timelines are all over the place. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about typical um, you know, missionary. Timelines are all over the place in this one. Uh, the other thing about this, and the thing that just drove me insane, is the fact I don't know who did the audio mixing on this movie. <laughs> But the soundtrack yeah. is front and center every moment of this movie. And and the ambient noise or the, you know, the background noise, it was just so weird. Like it takes there, there there's some scenes in a cave and you hear something that sounds like a crackling fire, but there's no fire. You see absolutely no fire lit. And you're just like. That's annoying. It didn't make sense. Right. And and as I was saying, the soundtrack, it's front and center. And I don't think there is maybe more than 30 seconds where you don't have some sort of a background score in this movie. And it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And things are happening and you don't know what's going on and nothing's explained. And, of course, at the end, there's the big battle between Moroni and King Aaron, played by Billy Zane. And yeah, I'll that, just that, the whole lead up to that was just weird. Yeah, and I'll just I will let you draw your own conclusions from that. Um, before I give you my rating on this one, as as Ryan and I both kind of said, this is a niche movie, and yeah. we don't fit into that niche. No. If if you like, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. If you like religious stories, if you like Book of Mormon stories and those kinds of things, this is a good movie for you to go see. Go check it out. You'll be confused as you watch it. But you'll like it. Well, maybe you will and maybe you won't. Maybe they have more of the background story than we do. Maybe it's a murder mystery. Maybe. But at the end of the day, this one, I had to give this one two buckets of popcorn. I, I tried to be as nice as possible. I look for the good in movies. Um, the 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 imagery and the backgrounds and the outdoor shots when you got them were great. They were beautiful. I'm assuming that they were somewhere back east. It looked like in like Smoky Mountain territory with the green hills and mountains and things like that. I don't think they had the budget for that. But who knows where they filmed it then. But anyway, uh, two buckets of popcorn for me. And now I'm just going to let Ryan skewer this thing the rest of the way into the ground. So this whole movie was shot either as a, a close up, which is shot basically um, of people's heads or a cowboy where it's about mid thigh up. That's how they shot this entire. There was only like maybe a few, just a handful of shots where you actually saw people's entire bodies. And it was like just quick. And that to me is just frustrating. You know, you're trying, you know, a movie, when you see a movie, you want to see the world that they're in because that's what they're trying. They're trying to draw you in to this world to tell their story. But it always seems like you were just uh, standing outside the window and you and you couldn't see the TV pro all the way. That's how this movie felt. Another thing, and we talked about this as we were watching it, the way it was filmed, the, uh, the person who did the cinematography, I guarantee you 100%. He is a photographer because every single shot looked like it was a picture. The background was blurry. They were in focus and the colors were nice and bright. And, you know, it looks okay for a commercial, but for an entire movie, you're, you're just going to get a little sick of it. And there are a few uh, scenes in there where you can definitely tell stock footage. Yes. Yeah, we even called them out in the theater. Yeah, and um, they did not have a budget for a bear. <laughs> That's yeah. But they had a very convincing sound effect. <laughs> yes, a very convincing, but no budget for bear. You get stock footage bear. 
<laughs> I gave this lump of duty zero buckets. This was the worst movie I've ever seen. I'd never want to see this movie again. I hope you enjoy it if that's the type of thing you're into. But for me, it's it's a no. I'm I'm going to pass. And that's like we said. It, this is a niche movie. It very, really is. Very small Very niche. small percentage like, of, I'm sure his of the American public. It, except for maybe his Grandma uncle. will be proud. Yeah. I don't think his <laughs> uncle will go see it. Grandma will be proud, though. <laughs> All right. So once again... I don't know. Like I don't, I don't buy into other people's opinions. This is just us talking what we thought of it. Okay, if you're curious, go see it. I wouldn't recommend it, but go ahead. <laughs> if you're curious, go see it. And if you don't like it, I guess don't blame us. Yeah, we warned you. Yeah, you were warned. You were warned. All right, get ready for another good discussion coming up because it's best movie Santa's. Let's do it. Hey, idiots, we're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two, and action. Once we move into December, you can't visit a store of any type without seeing an impersonation of Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho! Hollywood is no slouch in the Santa impersonation game. Just like our esteemed Baldwin brothers, some nail it, and some are just paddling in the shallow end. And then there's Alec. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> anyway, let's dial it in, folks. Crank up the anticipation. It's time for our duo, Dave and Ryan, to rip off the gift wrap and reveal their picks for the best actors to ever don the plush red suit of jolly old Saint Nick. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Okay, so with the holidays right around the corner, all the movies are starting to pop up on television now or on streaming or everything like that. And we just went through and kind of made a list of some really good movie Santas that we kind of think, you know, and once again, this is our list. Yep. Doesn't mean that your list is right and my list is right. It's just our list. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that most people have seen at least one of these movies. I'm pretty sure not- they will. Most yeah, I, I think there might be just one or two that maybe I'm might think, I, not. I'm saying one, and when we get there, I'll tell you which one it is. But you probably already know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> First one on the list: Richard Attenborough, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, nineteen ninety four. Yes. And of course, everybody knows the story of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. A lawyer and a little girl must prove that a man claiming to be Santa Claus is the real thing. And and if you sent a letter to Central Casting for a Santa Claus. This is who they'd send you. Richard Attenborough is who they would send you. Yeah, and for people who are like, who's Richard Attenborough? He was the guy. For, he was the old Jurassic guy from Park, Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah, sadly, he passed away in 2014, but he did a great job in this movie. He did. The other guy that always comes up is the guy that played Santa Claus in the original, and that came out in like 1947. Yeah, that's like that was like the gold standard for a long, long time. <laughs> um, next up, Elf. Ed Asner. We all know how you feel about Elf. Yeah, I, I, I don't like the movie Elf, but Ed Asner is a great actor. You know, and you, some people who might not know exactly who he is, uh, he was Carl and Up, mm-hmm. the old man. Uh, but to me, he was always, he'd always be Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Absolutely. And also, sadly, he passed away just two years ago in 2021. But the thing that's cool about Ed Asner as Santa Claus is yes, Bob Newhart was really the father figure yeah. for Buddy in there. 
but he really looked up to Santa Claus more than he looked up to to, to Bob Newhart's character. Yeah. And when he needed him and he was able to help him out and, and do what he could, that meant a lot to to Buddy the Elf. And so that's where I think had, had a really good relationship with Ed Asner. And once again, that's Elf, and that was 2003. Find it streaming today. And I, you can also find Miracle on 34th Street yep. streaming today. All right, these ones, I actually just watched both of these last night because I had never seen either of them. So I watched both. And I'm talking about Kurt Russell in the Christmas Chronicles 2018 mm-hmm. and part two in 2020. Now, this is the, the original is the story of a sister and a brother, Kate and Teddy Pierce, whose Christmas Eve plan to catch Santa Claus on camera turns into an unexpected journey that most kids could only dream about. And it is a great fun movie it really is if you're looking for a movie to watch with your kids watch this one and and there are so many things that that get like blown out of the water on this one because you know kurt russell is not a a typical santa claus he's not overweight i think he does great he is i think he's for for uh you know nowadays like a modern day santa i think he's perfect he is and that's what i'm saying is you know he's not an overweight santa he, he, you know, and there's references made to it throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And the best one is that everybody, if you're Santa, then say, ho, ho, ho. And he goes, that's a myth. I don't say that. <laughs> so uh, and then the second part is uh, Kate is now a pain in the butt teen whose mom is about to get engaged and she doesn't like the guy. Mm-hmm. So she runs away from, you know, it was a movie because she ran away from yeah. Cancun. <laughs> and yes. And Belschnickel finds her. And I'm telling you right now, Belschnickel in this movie does some diabolical stuff that you're like thinking, okay, I realize that this is just a kid, but man, I would really like to see some harm come to this guy. (laughs) Dave's talking about hurting children now. That's right. And also in that movie, uh, Goldie Hawn is in it as Mrs. Claus. Yes, yes. I honestly, I love Goldie Hawn. Yes. Her her career is just amazing. Uh, growing up, you know, watching uh, Overboard is a great one. Uh, there are just so many more. that That's another category yeah, we can get yeah, into. Yeah, we're, we're talking because about if you want to talk, If you want to mention Overboard, then my favorite Goldie Hawn is Wildcats. Yes. So... <laughs> but but we're talking Santa Claus. Talking Santa talking Claus movies Santa. right now. And Back on her, hus- her husband in real life, Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. is a great Santa Claus. And yes. She plays a great Mrs. Claus. She does. And actually, in the first one, her son, it's not his son, but it's her son, mm-hmm. plays the dad yes, of the two yes. kids. So, All right. Then this one is the one that maybe not a lot of people have seen. Okay. David Huddleston. Santa Claus the movie in 1985. Uh, The Legend of Santa Claus is put in jeopardy when an unscrupulous toy manufacturer attempts to take over Christmas. And where you may know David Huddleston from, he was in Blazing Saddles. Yep. He was the real Lebowski in The Big Lebowski. Yes. And also in this movie, Dudley Moore's in this movie. Yep. As an elf. Yes. No shots because he's short. None taking, and I've never seen this movie. Yeah, so this this was the, a movie I watched growing up as Santa Claus. Um, it's a great story. You know, it starts out where uh, Santa Claus he it's when he becomes how he becomes Santa Claus, and then um, because it takes place, it's shot in the eighties, and it takes place in the the movie is in the eighties. It's kind of like how they're modernizing 
the toy shop, the uh, Santa's workshop. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you said, the elf, um, he tries to update it. It goes good for a little bit, but then it just goes horribly wrong. And he's kind of, he's not necessarily banished, but he leaves uh, the North Pole. And that, you know, he meets up with a, uh, a company and that, you know, he starts the uh, manufacturing company that is trying to take over. But it, it also goes hor- horribly wrong because they're making suckers that make people fly. Oh. But it's, it's a bad thing because they can't stop flying. They just keep going. Yeah, and so, you know, Santa Claus has to come in. He works with Santa Claus to save the day. Great movie. You can find it streaming as well. I love this movie just because, you know, growing up, it was the one I watched. Yeah, I'll have to find that one and watch it. And um, the last one on the list, and this is the one I think that everybody has probably seen. I think everyone and their dog has seen it. And if you could probably pick a generational Santa Claus, maybe, it's this guy, and it's Tim Allen. (laughs) <laughs> it's Tim Allen in the Santa Claus one, two, and three, and the Santa Claus is that's streaming now on Disney Plus. Yes, and they just made their uh, TV series as well. It's the Santa Clauses, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tim Allen plays Scott Calvin, who is one of those. Why does why do we always have to have a redemption story this time of year about deadbeat dads? Because it's Christmas. I guess. It's a great way to make them feel better about themselves. Uh, anyway, he walks out on his ro- out of his house and finds uh, a gentleman on his roof, yells at him. The guy falls. Turns out it was Santa Claus. And he picks up his coat and automatically he becomes Santa Claus. Yeah. So uh, the second one is, I believe, called the Mrs. Claus, where he has to get married. Yeah. Mission Claus. No, the Mrs. Mrs. Claus? Yes, the Mrs. Claus. Oh, yeah, he's got to find a wife. He's got to find a wife. It's been a while. Yeah, and then the last one, I, I can't remember what the, the title of it is, but it's with Martin Short. Yeah. He plays Jack Frost in it. Yep. But I think this is the one Santa Claus that maybe the last people in the 20, 30 years, the last 20 or 30 yeah. years go to because it's he's just, it's an iconic character and it's a lot of fun. It's a great movie. Um, and so many people are in these movies. You got, you know, uh, of course, Tim Allen's in it. Uh, Judge Reinhold is in it. Uh, David Crumholtz, I believe, is the elf Bernard. Yeah, Bernard. And he's a great character as well. And I just, I love these movies. I love them, and I can almost watch these anytime. So let me ask you, Yes, sir. Out of all these, you know, we didn't put these in particular order. Right. And we didn't have... A favor, but which one of these on this list is your favorite? I, I would say it's Tim Allen, and then a close second after what I saw was Kurt Russell. I really would. I I really enjoyed those two movies that much. Okay, but Tim Allen's a great Santa Claus, and as I said, that's probably who most people yeah, are going to equate as Santa right now. It's definitely uh, like my little sister loves the Santa Claus movies uh-huh. and, you know, she shows her kids. So I think it's not necessarily mine or your generation. I think it was the one that's just under mine. Yeah. 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 But I would have to say my, my favorite is, uh, well, Dave Huddleston. And even though I hate the movie, Ed Asner. Ed Asner is a great Santa Claus. Because, He's just a great actor. Well, and not only that, the thing about Ed Asner as Santa is Ed Asner and everything he's ever been he's is like, this gruff, yeah, he's mean like gr- character. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, and now he's Santa Claus all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I really I really do like it. Um, an honorable mention, I have to put it in there. I really do, because if you've ever seen the movie... Sinbad. 
<laughs> you like from Sinbad Jingle all, from the Jingle way? all the Way? Is that it? But he wasn't Santa. He uh, just was. A, you he know, was dressed as Santa. No, it's it's David Harbor in Violent Night. Okay. This is not one for the kids. Let's, no, let's make not that one for the kids. Very plain to see. Came out last year, and this is one of those movies. I almost feel like. Uh, my wife and I and Jordan and his wife went and saw this almost like on a dare. <laughs> and it is a great movie. It really is. If you're into, because you know how I feel about gratuitous violence. Yeah, you love it. <laughs> Senseless. <laughs> and there's there's moments of that in here. And if you know the song, Something About Christmas Time by Brian Adams, after watching this movie, you will never listen to that song the same way again. <laughs> there's a huge scene where that song is the soundtrack and it is unbelievable and it's great uh the other one that we had to throw in there because we talked about it yes these are all like live action yeah but you have to throw in mickey rooney yep from uh here comes santa claus and i believe it was a year without santa claus yep uh mickey rooney as, as santa in those two was unbelievable and i believe we were talking about it the other day i think he's even santa in rudolph's shiny new year yeah yeah and we we, we talked about you know, we talked these, about ranking him bass last week. On last week, yeah. Yeah, and Mickey Rooney is Santa. Really, that's another. Uh, that's a generational thing. Yep. We're looking at the late '60s, early '70s. That's who they knew as Santa was Mickey Rooney. So, find all these movies. They're streaming. They're available, and they are so yep. so. Watch worth them and it. love them. Watch Violent Night. I promise. If you haven't seen it yet. Just don't watch it with the kids. Don't watch it with the kids, but watch this one. Or do. It's pretty good. Because Dave likes child violence. It must be really good because they're going to do a sequel. And they only make sequels to movies that are really good, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> only the movies. There's definitely not you know a cash grab going on. None. All. None whatsoever. All right. When we come back, we're going to close it out with next week, we're going to go see the new Wonka movie. And we thought, what a more perfect time to revisit Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So we'll be talking about that when we come back. All right, imbeciles. Everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. Next week, the prequel Wonka will be all the talk of Hollywood. So this week, we decided to hop in the Dave and Ryan's movie review time machine and go back to June 30th, 1971 for a review of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, starring Gene Wilder. Believe it or not, the original movie was not a huge success. Eventually, it earned $4 million worldwide, but it had a budget of $3 million, and it was the 24th highest grossing film of the year in North America. The film did receive generally positive reviews. Legendary film critic Roger Ebert gave the film four out of four stars, and he called it, quote, probably the best film of its sort since The Wither of Oz. So now we'll pass off the reins to Dave and Ryan, who both remind me a lot of Grandpa Joe. They lay in bed while a woman does all the work. Anyway, fellas, tell us about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So for our last segment uh, this week, we're going to talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 original. Uh, we are going to go see uh, Wonka next week, so we'll have that review for you then. But we wanted to kind of revisit Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. An hour 40. Not a bad runtime, really. No. Uh, stars, of course, Gene Wilder, uh, Jack Albertson, and Peter Ostrom. 
Uh, it is the story about children around the country of England. I guess that's how we would say it. Uh, they're all looking for these golden tickets. Yep. And if you get a golden ticket, you are therefore invited to go on a tour of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Now, the winner, well, we they don't even know what they're going to get if they win, right? That's wait, That's until the very, very end. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, Charlie is the big one. And, and you've got a couple of books. These were actually based yeah. on books by based Old Doll. The original title was Charlie. Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. You know, you know, so the reason why they changed the name was because um, Quaker Oats was going to sponsor the uh, the film. And so they changed the name because they were going to make a candy bar called the Wonka Bar. Well, but, and and then there was also another book too. Yeah, but that was with the, with the candy bar, uh, their formula or whatever made it melt too easily, even when it was on the shelf. So that's why they kind of scrapped that whole idea. And the other book I think was Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Yeah, I believe I had both of those books when I was young. That was a Scholastic Book Fair thing. Yeah, and they they kind of. Touched on it a little bit at yeah, the end of the movie, but they not tie a whole it all lot. in together. Um, so all these kids go to the factory, and one by one, they kind of all yeah, they get picked off, picked off, yeah, <laughs> and they they all disappear until Charlie's the only one that's left. Yeah, so Charlie thinks that he's won, and I guess a side note was a guy named. Uh, well, it wasn't wasn't Gobstopper. What the heck was his last name? W- Woolsworth. I, I I can't remember, but something like the, that. The Gobstopper was the candy. Was the candy? He he approached all of these kids. Yeah. And said, "Steal one for me, and I'll make it worth your while." Yeah, the everlasting Gobstopper. The everlasting Gobstopper. So uh, he stole one, and he goes in, and let's be honest, Grandpa is a downer in this whole movie. Yeah, You know, Grandpa just does nothing but lay in the bed at home and makes his daughter, Charlie's mom, wait on everybody hand and foot. And then all of a sudden, Charlie gets invited to go to the Wonka factory, and he's like, praise the Lord, I can walk again. Uh, you, I got another little fun okay, fact. Okay, let's hit me it. with it. So uh, Grandpa George was played by Ernest Ziegler. Okay. And he was actually almost blinded in World War One. So during the filming... If you ever had to look a certain way or look at something, they had a red light off camera that he had to look for the red light so he could look in the same direction as everybody. So you're saying I should be nicer to him? No, I'm just saying that's kind of weird and cool. Okay. So (laughs) anyway, at the end of the day, and when all the dust clears, Charlie's the last man standing, really. And then (laughs) you can say that. Well, and then he goes in and just gets berated by Willy Wonka over stuff that him... And Grandpa did while they were there, and as he's leaving, he puts the gobstopper on the desk, and he walks away. You know, you know um, Gene Wilder wanted became really good friends with uh, the guy who played um, uh, uh, Charlie. Peter Ostrom, yeah. I think he's the guy. And um, he wanted to tell him that he was going to yell at him, but the director wouldn't allow that, so... His reaction at getting yelled at is real. It's real. And he lets loose. Oh, yeah. He goes crazy. Yeah. And, you know, and so by doing that, I think the prize was, was it a lifetime supply of chocolate bars? Yeah, it was supposed to be. Something like that. So in doing that, when he turns over the gobstopper, 
the 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 Wonka man just turns into this angel again. Yeah. And he is going to spoiler alert give Charlie the factory. And that's kind of where the movie ends from there. It's a good movie. I will tell you this. In 1971, when I was just a little chap, if I would have went and saw this in theaters, there are parts of this movie that are frightening. Yeah, the whole uh, riverboat scene. The boat ride is frightening. Yeah, in fact, um, the uh, on the boat ride, the song that uh, really Wonka sings mm-hmm. is the only song lyrics taken directly from the book in the movie. That is, the the boat ride's frightening. Most of the kids that are in it are frightening as well. Yeah, they go out horribly. Let's be honest; they're they're all terrible, terrible children. Yeah, um, the Oompa Loompas are even kind of scary at first. Yeah, when you first see them, they're you're just you're just like, what is that? What are these things? Yeah. What is this? Um, would it be cool to live in a chocolate factory? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going to say that wouldn't be, but all the stuff that comes with it, uh, and, and I believe the movie has become a classic. Yeah. Oh. A classic or a cult classic, you know, it depends on who you talk to. I mean, they've tried and tried to come back at this movie. The one with Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka yeah, was, was just, just a miserable creepy. failure. Because I think, honestly, Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka was creepier than the original movie to- total. Yeah, who, who directed that one? Was it? Um, it could have been. Was it Tim was Burton? It, I think. I think so. Yeah, not a good movie. No, it was no. It was not a good movie, and. Um, that's why I'm interested and curious to go see the new one because it's a prequel. He doesn't yeah. own a chocolate factory yet. Yeah, and it's it's made by, I believe it's made by the people who did Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah, they had something to do with it. So it's going to be, you know, that, that look and style. Absolutely. So let, let's talk about, you got some more fun facts there. Let's go down the list and talk about those. All right. So uh, the Chocolate River, speaking of the boat ride, was actually made of real chocolate, water, and cream. And it spoiled fairly quickly and left a horrible smell while they were filming. <laughs> I would say that, that that's something that you try and get done in one day. Yeah, if you're going to film something, you, you don't have to go for realism. Just mut- choc- you know, chocolate-colored water will be fine. would have been good. Yeah, you don't have to get real chocolate. That's going to spoil quickly. God, can you appreciate how much chocolate and cream there was in that thing, though? Oh, yeah. Gallons and oh, gallons. Wow. Well, there's half the budget right there. Yeah, yeah, you know, when they were filming this, they actually filmed in Germany, and they couldn't find enough uh, uh, little people for the Oompa Loompas, so they had to go out and get uh, outside of Germany, and that's why in some of the song and dance routines, some of the Oompa Loompas look like they have no idea what's going on because <laughs> they didn't speak German or English or right. anything. Yeah. So this that, these are all things to keep an eye out for when you watch <laughs> yeah, this when, movie again. When you watch it again, take, you know you're going to take a closer look at the Oompa Loompas. You'll be like, wait a minute, and, wait a minute. Yeah. So another little fun fact about Gene Wilder's character: at the beginning, when he's walking out with a limp, he insisted he had to do the limp and then do a little somersault. And I remember hearing that. Yeah, because he he wanted to set the mood for his character that he could be unpredictable. Yeah, he can't be trusted. Yeah. Very true. And so you know he, he had a you know he had to fight for that with the director, but in the end it worked out great. It did. Yeah. And then uh, see, so um, the the girl who played Violet, um, <laughs> so they they paint her in blue. She, she you know she swells up. She turns into a blueberry. Right. But uh, a few days after filming, she was uh, back in school 
sitting in math class, and I guess um, some of the paint got into her pores. So when she started uh, sweating, she started turning blue again in the middle of math class. <laughs> Could you just imagine sitting there? You're all stressed out, and all of a sudden you're just blue, and you don't know why. Yeah, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know there, you know there are a few more. Um, the girl who played uh, Veronica Salt, uh, when she went to smash one of the big uh, chocolate eggs, it was a real egg. So when she smashes, she actually cut herself and she got a scar on her knee. So if you're watching the movie, and uh, I think it's a little, little, little tiny scene, you'll see she's got some uh, blood on her uh, on her knee. If you watch the movie very closely. So we'll have to watch that. Yeah, you have to watch These it. are all great things. Out for blood. Yeah. What do we got left? Oh, so um, so the foam they used when they went through the Wonka wash, um, you know, they, they made the whole thing with fire extinguishers, but the uh, the bubbles irritated everybody's skin. So they had they got like boils and stuff. So they had to wait several days for, you know, medical treatment to take place before they could refilm. So they actually they they got them cleaned up and then they went and put them right back in it again. Uh, no, no. Or they, they do they, something they, different. They, no, they moved on to the next scene. Oh, okay, good. They had to take several days before they could pick up filming again. Good. Yeah. Could you just imagine coming to work? You you wash your hands or something like that, and then you go home, and then all of a sudden they're like giant swelled up. I can't go into work. I yeah. I got sausage hands. <laughs> sausage fingers. Yeah. So once again, this is a, a great movie. We, It's a classic. It truly it is. is. It is. So go and find this one once again. 1971, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Kind of get you ready to go and see uh, Timothy Chalamet. Make sure I say his name correctly. And uh, Wonka. This is going to be... I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, see if, it's, if it kind of hits the things for that Christmas movie. You know, that Christmas time movie. I don't think it's necessarily going to be like Christmas movie. I think, you know, because back in the day, big blockbuster movies came out around Christmas. And it's not necessarily Christmas oriented. So I think it's they're trying to get back into that, you know, because, you know, we're, we're used to just staying home and watching it streaming. We're trying to bring people back to the uh, cinemas the now. So I think I think this one will do a good job bringing them out for the holiday season. And, and like I said, when you brought that up, too, that's another thing. Always right around the Christmas time. Now is when you start to get the Oscar contenders. They start coming out of the woodwork right now. Yes. So we'll be talking about those coming up in the coming weeks. But uh, you know what? Go and check out all these things that we talked about that are available streaming. They're a good time. Find you a Santa. Enjoy Santa. Enjoy the holiday season. And uh, until we talk again, get out, go to a theater, and go see a movie. Maybe That's all I can tell you. Maybe just not the oath. Maybe just not the oath. All right. There you have it. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Dave and Ryan's Movie Review.